Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, welcome to week four of Flourishing in Isolation. It's great to have you with us. Uh, I wonder how you're doing. I wonder how you're coping at this moment in time. Uh, we've set these midweek Bible studies up to connect with you, to, to reassure you that we may be isolated, we may be on our own, we may be separated, but we are still together and we can learn together and we can learn through the Word of God. So do get hold of your Bibles. We're going to make sure we're focusing tonight on the Bible and we're looking at this whole idea of, of Paul being under house arrest in Rome. And if you haven't been listening to these yet, please do go listen to the last three weeks. That'll give you some idea of the context of these. But just to say, we're talking about Rome, who's uh, Paul, sorry, who's under house arrest in Rome. And he has written these books. So while he was in isolation, while he was in lockdown, he wrote four books that were known as the prison letters. And I thought it'd be kind of fun uh, that we could maybe learn from some of those books. And those books were Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon as well. And we're going to go through those different books and learn together what Paul was teaching at that time and how we can flourish in isolation. And it's, it's you know, that great question, how can we learn from someone else? How can we learn from Paul? And uh, talking about questions, um, if you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you would like to either send them in, message me, uh, contact at the Freedom Church office, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to kind of respond to them. Keep sending them in. I love questions. It's great to engage and hear from you in different ways. I know somebody asked me this week, so how long would these sessions continue for? Um, probably how long will this lockdown continue for? We just don't know. I'm committed to completing them all. I'm committed to continuing until we feel like that's done its time. Um, and so let me know how these are working for you. Let me know if you're learning and what would really be beneficial to you. It's also worth noting at the moment we're competing with Spring Harvest online. It feels like we're being at Spring Harvest. We're Gavin Calver speaking in the main venue tonight and I'll be speaking to you right here, right now. And so there's so many different options available to us all this time. There's so much Christian content out online for us to benefit from. I hope you're really utilising all the various um, resources that are available to us. So God bless you all as we learn together at this time in whatever way, whatever form you find yourself. So last week uh, we looked at Ephesians 2 and the back end of Ephesians chapter 1 and we asked the question how can we flourish in isolation? We talked about um, God being a God of peace that he invites us to sit at the right hand of God the Father. As we sit we're taking our rest, we're resting with him. That the idea of rest and seating uh, next to him means the job is done, that God is going I have done what I need to do. We talked about God being the God of unity. He brings us together. We celebrate what each other are doing. We celebrate what other church communities are doing. We celebrate our neighbours, what they're doing. We celebrate the NHS on a Thursday evening. We celebrate in different ways to say we are united at this time. And then lastly, last week we talked about the temple of God. We talked about that God lives in you. You are a temple of God. You are his masterpiece. You are a beautiful piece of work and that you've been created to make more beautiful pieces of work, that you've been created in the beauty of God. And he's saying, what can you make with all the abilities and talents 
that you've been given. And so that's some of the things we learnt last week. So go back, have a look at those again if you want to, and to reread through Ephesians chapter 2. But this week, we're going to be diving in. Uh, we're going to be digging deep. We're going to be dining out on Ephesians chapter 3. So get your Bibles open, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I, I'm loving the richness of this book of Ephesians. There's so much goodness here for us to learn from and Ephesians 3 is probably uh, one of the key chapters here as well. So we'll start at the top first one and we'll read it as we go. Encourage you. I'm using the New Living Translation um, but you can use any version that you would like to um, but I'm just explaining why it might sound differently to what you've got in front of you and then we'll just pick up a few thoughts as we go through this time together. I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, let's get started, shall we? Let me start by praying, first of all. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that this was written by Paul all that uh, thousands of years ago, while in isolation, while in lockdown, down, while in house arrest. He has put something down in writing that we can learn from today. We pray that as we talk and as we communicate and as we listen and as we learn together, would you enable us to flourish, we pray. Amen. Amen. So here we go, verse one, Paul says these words. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Paul here, he's saying, he's reminding everyone, I'm a prisoner. This is this circular that's being sent to churches in the area of Ephesus. I'm a prisoner because I've been preaching the gospel, because of the message of Jesus Christ, because I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, because Paul has been committed to that story and telling that story. That's why he's under house arrest. He is in prison because of his faith. He's in prison because he refused to uh, denounce his faith. But it's also, he's saying here, and this is an incredible statement, he's saying, my imprisonment is of benefit to you. It's an advantage to you that you're going to win because of my incarceration. Because of my limitations, you're going to run further and faster. He doesn't say there that I'm a prisoner of the Roman Empire or a prisoner of the state or a prisoner of anything, but I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that this is what God has allowed to happen and I'm choosing to turn this experience into an opportunity that we will all benefit from. He may be in lockdown but Paul is not blaming the guard at the door. He is rejoicing that God has got a plan for him in that very moment. How many times have we looked at what limits us and used that as an excuse to complain about our circumstances? But Paul chooses a different approach and he chooses to say, because of my limitations, I'm celebrating God and who he is and I'm determined to keep on preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. An incredible start as he underlines his calling as an apostle. Carrying on in verse three, he says these words, as I briefly wrote earlier, referring to the first couple of chapters, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Paul is, is, is reminding us here that what we've already looked at in the previous chapters about this mysterious plan 
that God has revealed to Paul. Paul is saying, I, I know something. I know something you don't know kind of thing. He's saying, I've got this mysterious plan, the one you've always wondered, what's God doing? He's given it to me. And he's also saying here, and they've got to be really careful how we point this out, because Paul is, is by saying something twice, uh, Paul is actually underlining uh, his, his understanding of this plan that God has given to him. When Jewish writers write things more than once, they're, they're underlining, they're making a statement, they're declaring, this is really important. I've said it before, I'm saying it again, I really want you to get hold of this. Paul has been given a plan by God. God has given him some insight and he wants to share it. So when they repeat themselves, and you'll see this throughout uh, scripture, especially the, uh, in the New Testament, then they repeat or they point back to the Old Testament. When Jewish writers do that, they're saying, this is like a double score underline, read this because I'm re repeating myself, not because I forgot I said it already, but I want you to know how important this is. He is saying here, I've been given this mysterious plan. And he goes on, this way you have to be a bit careful. Um, he's a kind of making a comment here about the previous generations. He's kind of saying, look, God's revealed this to me. He didn't do it through the older Jewish members of my community. And Paul's often very respectful. He talks about how we treat our elders, how we treat our parents. He talks about the different um, demographics in uh, later on in the book of Ephesians. But here he is saying, you know, I've learned this plan, not from the knowledge or the experience of those who've gone before me. He's kind of saying, you, know, you, you older people, especially the Jewish ones, you, you might think you have all the answers, but be careful, he's saying you don't. God is the God who has the plan. And he reveals his plan, not through every generation, he reveals his plan through his Holy Spirit, through the apostles, those that speak out what God is saying, and the prophets who hear from the voice of God. He's saying, I've got this plan, it's been revealed to me, this mystery has been revealed. And it isn't through knowledge or experience or age, it's through hearing the word of God. And I want to say to those listening today who are watching with me, the importance of every generation choosing to listen once more to the Holy Spirit. Don't rely upon the previous generation. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. The previous generation, the wisdom that our forefathers have got to share with us is important. But it's also important that God doesn't have grandchildren. And we mustn't just uh, discover our relationship with God through others. We must discover a relationship direct to God himself. And we do that through his Holy Spirit. If you want to discover God, then discover what it means to lean into his Holy Spirit, to listen to God. In this time of quiet and isolation and being alone is a great time to start leaning into God, to learn to listen to his voice and say, what are you saying to me. I don't want to rely upon my forefathers. I don't want to rely upon the previous generation to tell me everything. I need to discover for myself. And Paul is saying here, he's saying, yes, respect your elders, but lean into God. Discover anew, each generation, what is God saying? And I challenge you, whatever age you are today, to be listening to God and saying, what is he saying to you? What is the plan that you've God, he's got for your life. It's so important that every generation rediscovers the plan that God has got for them. Let's not rely upon or rest on those that have gone before. 
I think I've said enough on that. We're moving on to verse six, and this is where Paul reveals the plan. Verse six, this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him and spreading this good news. So this is God's plan. His plan is unity. His plan is togetherness. His plan is family. His plan is that we are one. Paul is saying here, Gentiles and Jews, that is, Gentile is a word for a non-Jew. Someone who's not brought up in the Jewish tradition or part of the Jewish nation. Everybody is, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will be united. We're going to share equally in this rich inheritance. There's not going to be adopted inheritance and actual natural children inheritance. Paul is saying everyone has an equal share. No one gets first dibs in the kingdom of God. No one says I'm more important. I've been around for longer. I've known God for longer. My family go back a long way. Everybody starts again. Everyone begins again. And whatever season of your life you meet Christ and you choose to follow him, you share an equal portion of inheritance with those who have traveled this road for all their life. Together we share, we are united in one. We are not unequal with some getting more because of their status than others. Here Paul is saying we carry the same status. We all belong to Christ Jesus, regardless of our background, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our starting point in life. Everyone gets an equal share in the riches of God. That's the plan. The plan is unity. The plan is oneness. God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, to get some people. He wants everybody to be saved and be reconciled to his father, God. So when we see disunity, when we see brokenness, that's not God's plan. When we see disharmony, when we see disagreement, that's not God's plan. When you see people united and in love for each other, that's what God loves to see. He loves to see the world connected. He loves to see the world working together and he loves to see the world, more importantly, connected back to him. He's longing for his family to be together. He's longing for his family to replicate heaven on earth, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We want to be people that are the family, that God's plan is that the church, the people that, who are united, celebrate who God is and reflect the glory of God to those around them. Where you see unity, where you see togetherness, where you see love, there God is found as we point back to the source of love himself. Moving on to verse 8. And this is where Paul tones it down a little bit, having just maybe slightly arrogantly pushed back on the elderly Jewish uh, forefathers that he would have had. He then says this, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ Jesus. I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan, that's that mysterious plan again, that God, the creator of all things, has kept secrets from the beginning. Paul is 
keeping it humble at this point. He's saying, I, I know this, I recognise that I'm the least deserving, that I'm nothing special, I'm not important, but I do have a part to play. And he's putting it through in such a gentle way. He's saying, you know, I'm, I'm the least deserving, but God has called me to do something, to participate. I've been asked to share this with every nation and generation, Gentile or Jew. I'm called to share this message of Jesus Christ. It's important that we understand that we are not deserving of all that we have. But it doesn't mean that we then don't deliver what God has called us to do. And we have a responsibility. We may not deserve that which we've been given, but we have a responsibility to use the gifts that we've been given, that masterpiece that we are. We have a responsibility to do something with which God has given to us. And so Paul here is softening his language. He's just being a little bit more gentle and saying, I want to remind you as the readers here, as the listeners, I would remind you of, of my position, Paul's saying, of my mandate, of my, my calling to share this mysterious plan with all people. And for those who don't agree with Paul, he's saying, I know you don't agree with me, but this is what God's called me to do. I may not be perfect. I may get things wrong, but this is the mandate that God's put on my life. Some of Paul's comments would have been radical to the Jews of the day such as Peter and others, those converted to the way or the, the way of the cross or Christianity as it would have been called a bit later on, they would have been unhappy with some of Paul's approach that he was almost seeing this message to Jews and to Gentiles, to share the messages with everybody. That would have been a problem for some people, more traditional people at that point. It would have caused factions and disagreements and maybe that's why Paul was saying God's plan is unity and togetherness and our infighting is not helping us tell the story and Paul is reminding us by an example there saying we need to stay humble as followers of Christ and recognize our position but also recognize our calling we are humble people but we must pursue this mysterious plan that God has given to each one of us to live our lives fully for him and then Paul carries on with this great plan that he's been working on here. He delivers that in verse 8. Then moving on to verse 10, he says this, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I love that description of the church. It's his purpose is to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. It's, the church is always meant to be a rich variety. I love the fact in Freedom Church, where we are based, we have got people from every single background, ethnicity, of age, of story. It's fantastic. We love the fact and we say everyone is welcome in our church because that's the message of Jesus. But we have a rich variety. I would be sad if our church all looked the same or sounded the same or said the same things or thought the same things. We think differently. We see different. We have a rich variety. And this is God's plan. I love the church. I love this idea of the church. Some people love ice cream. Some people love the city or the town they live in. Some people love their pets. Some people love their football team when they're actually playing live again. Wouldn't that be great to have that back on our tellies? Um, and I, I love our church. I love the church. I love God's church. It's his church. 
I even, as some of you know, wrote a book about it called Simply Church, which we could talk about at great lengths. But the church is this beautiful part of God's plan. It's not an accident. It's a plan that God set up. It's his plan. God invented the church to be an example, to be his example of his purpose here on earth, to make a difference, to point people back to him, to love one another, to be a beautiful bride, to be stunning, so the world can look and see the church coming alive and go, wow, I love the fact that church is stepping up at this time and hearing stories of, of the church at work in communities around our nation and nations of the world, that they are saying, we can do something here, we can make a difference, we can transform our society, we can offer our buildings, offer our resources, offer our volunteers, help in any way that we can. The church is meant to be making a difference. The church is rich variety. As Paul says there, he says, you know, that this, this plan is to show the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, to kind of show off and display God's wisdom. It's saying we may be a bunch of misfits. We may be this rich variety. Sometimes the world may laugh at the church, but when it works together, it's a beautiful bride. It's something to be adored. It's like, wow, that's amazing. And that's the church. That's how the church should work. We are part of God's plan to make a difference. N.T. Wright, who is a great theologian and writer, talks about the book of Ephesians and points out that Ephesians 3 verse 10 about this idea of this rich variety of the church. He also connects with Ephesians 2 verse 10 and Ephesians 1 verse 10. And you can go back and look at those in a moment if you want to. 2.10 we've mentioned already, that's the bit about being a, a masterpiece, that we are God's masterpiece to create artwork for others to admire. And Ephesians 1.10 is the piece where uh, we talked the first, uh, second week around heaven joining earth, that we together, the heaven's not a future thing and a present, earth is a present thing, but earth and heaven are both existing today. And our job is to bring those two things together. Ephesians 1.10, 2.10 and 3.10 create this total plan that God wants us through, to bring heaven to earth, to use our natural talents and gifts and skills and artwork and uh, creative ability to be the church in its rich variety so that the world will see and go, wow, something different is going on there. Through Jesus Christ, we can be a family. The, through the existence of the principalities and powers, the evil beings around us, they can see that through Jesus, everything changes, that we love each other in a different way, that we may be different to the world's way of working, that the church is being the church and it is different to the world around us, that as we are united, it gives a sign to everyone around us that Jesus is the ultimate authority, that he is in charge. If we submit to him, it changes everything, that we can live day by day under the lordship of Christ and it transforms the way we live. That's God's plan for human race, for society to come together in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us just coming together under uh, the, the battling of a crisis. He wants us coming together under worshipping of his son, Jesus Christ. That's unity. The church, God's family, that is the eternal, mysterious plan that he's asked us to. Because of Christ verse 12, and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. 
So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. He's saying, I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. What an incredible statement. Paul is saying that I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. Because of Paul's suffering, this house arrest, he's locked down. We have received the truth of God's master plan because he's having to be away and having to think things through. He's written it down. We get the honour because others have gone before us. I want to encourage you to think for a moment of those who've gone before you. For those who told you the story of Jesus Christ, those who gave you the mysterious plan, for those of you who suffered so that you could have what you have today, for family, for friends, for parents, for school teachers, for church leaders and pastors, for people who shared you the truth of the story of Jesus Christ, who led you to Jesus so that you can now be honoured to participate in this great plan. Think of those people. Because now we come in Ephesians 3 to, I think, the big finale. Paul has laid out the message here. He said, you know what? I'm in prison, so you don't have to be. That's good news. He then says, he says, well, here's the plan that's been revealed to me. It's revealed not through previous generations, but through his Holy Spirit. So we've got this plan. And the plan is unity and love and church and family. And it's pointing people to God. The plan is that we and the way we operate together point to God himself. And then he says, absolutely rip-roaring final words here. Verse 14, when I think of all these things I've just said to you, when I think about all that I've laid out to you, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirits. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's his big finale to Ephesians chapter 3, famous scripture there. Paul is praying for those who are reading, for those who are listening. This would have been read out to people by those in these early churches in Ephesus. It would have been, it would have been announced on a Sunday and we've got a letter from Paul from prison. Have a listen to this. People would have heard those words and think, wow, Paul is in prison and he's praying for us. Paul is praying for all of those listening to those words that we've read just now. If you heard me read those words, Paul was praying for you. He is praying that they would be empowered by God's glorious riches. He's praying his best prayer for others, even though he is not experiencing full freedom for himself. He's choosing a different angle. How many times do we let our experiences and our circumstances dictate how we pray? We're feeling alone, so we rather than pray for our neighbours who are also alone, 
we, we just moan to God, we moan at the TV or we complain to our spouse or whoever we are with at that time. Rather than praying for our neighbours and our brothers and our sisters and our families and our friends and our churches and our communities and our towns, our cities, our nations, our government, our authority around us, our queen, we choose to complain about our circumstances. And yet we should be praying our best prayer right now at this moment for other people at this time. We should use the opportunities we find ourselves in and say, how can we be a blessing to others? How can Paul speak all these words out? He is praying and he finishes up in this kind of final couple of verses. Now all glory, he says, to God, who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a great finish to this chapter. Here is a couple of thoughts for you to take away today as we flourish in isolation I want you to remember this from today that God has a plan for you it's including each one of you it's a mysterious eternal plan and you're invited to participate the secondly it is revealed through the spirit of God it is revealed through the spirit of God lean in and listen to the spirit and it is delivered by the church be part of a family a community and that even in isolation even being limited, God can use you and do more through you than your circumstances might make you feel. Don't let your circumstances shape the way you think. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct your prayers. And as we bring this session to an end, I just want to use those words from Ephesians 3 to pray for all of you listening right now. I pray these words. I pray to the Father God, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resource, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I pray that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I pray that you may have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is for you. I pray that you experience the love of Christ though it's too great to understand fully. I pray that you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. All glory to God. All glory to God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to getting together soon. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.